Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. You know, people will let you down, but I can tell you it's been true in my life that uh, in some of the hardest times of my life, God has proved himself faithful over and over, amen? And uh, you may be noticing something a little strange today. I no longer have a surgical shoe on. So if I start running back and forth up here, I won't do that. My, phone, my foot will not do that just yet. Uh, you say, how do you know that? I thought I would try a couple of days ago. No, seriously, I'm very, very thankful to be here and uh, looking forward to our short time that we have in God's word today. Thank you so much for being here. Let's do this. Let's, let's start differently this morning. Let's start with a word of prayer and then we'll get Get right into things this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the time that we've had to sing. We thank you for the time that we've already had this morning to be in your word. And certainly through our Bible study opportunities and small group gatherings, Lord, I pray that you were honored in that time where we looked at what you had to say through your word. And Lord, as we've just completed, just singing some songs, some songs of worship and adoration to you for your goodness and for your greatness in our lives and how you take dead things and bring them back to life, Lord. We thank you for that through the, resurrection power, through the resurrection power of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that today that you would draw us close to thee, that your word would accomplish exactly what you desire. Lord, we know that that will take place. Lord, I pray that families would be encouraged today pray that we would be blessed today as we already are, but Lord, I also pray that we would be challenged today from your word. God, I pray that you will give us a great remainder of this service and a great remainder of this day. As we gather in your house, Lord, we are eternal great, eternally grateful for your love and for your goodness to us. And so, Lord, now I pray that I would step backward, that you might be able to step forward through me, speak through me, give me clarity of thought, give me clarity of speech that you might be made much of here in this next few moments of time. And Lord, when we go away from this place, we'll be able to say that it has been good to have been in the house of the Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for all that you do and for all your many, many blessings. For it's in the precious name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And for his sake, amen and amen. Well, thank you again for being here and uh, this very special day. And Quite honestly, whenever we get together on Mother's Day, and I want to say something right now so that it'll get uh, uh, my dear wife uh, a little bit of a heads up at the end. Uh, if you'll get, get one of the gifts uh, for us at the end, I want to uh, assure all the ladies uh, that when you leave today, we want to give you something very special. And uh, we hope that this will be an encouragement to you in your walk of faith. But we certainly honor all of our ladies today. Uh, but especially, we take time this morning to celebrate moms, amen? Would you, would you recognize moms one more time? And uh, 
whether, whether you're a new mom, whether you're a new mom or not so new mom, or maybe you're a more seasoned mom. You see how I did that? Always stay away from trouble, men. Do not, do not cross the barrier. Maybe you're more seasoned. We recognize no matter where you are, we recognize your greatness, and we thank you, thank each and every one of you. But I am also aware that, you know, certainly we gather and we say, Happy Mother's Day. And sometimes even I get a Happy Mother's Day in return. <laughs> Regina, we were talking about earlier. I said, Regina, I said, Happy Mother's Day. And she said, Happy Mother's Day. I was like, <laughs> I get what you're saying. We do that. But uh, the, the reality is no... I know that it's supposed to be a joyous occasion. Let me just say that. It's supposed to be a joyous occasion, but I'm also mindful that for some, for some that Mother's Day can be quite difficult. So, you know, whether you have lost a mom, whether maybe you're here, you've wrestled with infertility issues, or maybe as a mom you've suffered the loss of a child, either before or after birth, I want you to know that this day may bring up past hurts for you, but I want you to know that you are deeply, deeply loved. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But you're not only loved by Jesus, you're loved by me this morning. And I want you to know that uh, you are appreciated on this day. No matter where you find yourself in life or on the continuum of motherhood, I want you to know these things because sadly, as we started our series last week on Family Matters, the reality is that family actually matters. And if you were not here last week, I, just like I did Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to go to our website because last week, and I want you to watch the message, not because I am so beautiful. Listen, I, I've often said I have a face for radio. You'll get that later. <laughs> but what we talked about last week, we began our series with the simple title, Welcome to the War. If you're not aware, if you've been unplugged, if you've been on vacation for a while, as I said last week, there is a war which has been waged. It is at the front steps of the family these days. And so we talked about the war that we were facing last week. But I can tell you that motherhood is also a position and a responsibility in the home that has been attacked and it's important diminished throughout the years. In fact, in the 1970s, when so-called smart thinkers, anybody from the 1970s qualify yourself as a smart thinker from the 70s? See, in the 1970s, so-called smart thinkers began to propagate myths about motherhood. And 50 years later, that was an eye-opener too. I was like, wow, the 1970s, that was 50 years ago. That means that I will very soon... Well, you know I was born in the 60s, so you get the picture. This propaganda started to be pushed, and 50 years later, basically a lot of things have all extinguished the beautiful and lofty role within the family unit called motherhood. They, they said back in the 70s that women who have children... Watch this. They began saying that women who had children were being cheated and exploited by men. 
who were trying to keep them locked up and trying to keep women from having careers of their own outside the home. They said children really did not need the extensive nurturing and involvement of a mom at home. But can I tell you that I don't care if it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s, or 2020, that is wrong, that is a lie, and I can tell you children need the nurturing love and affection and care and instruction and wisdom and godliness and on and on we could go of a mother. You say, how do you know? Because I needed it. I still need it. But this world has sold us on a false bill of goods. And on and on the theories that were detrimental to the family then are still detrimental to the family now. But if you were here last week, you'll remember that number five on our list of initial imperatives from last week is simply that God builds the, phone, the home, not, not the uh, world around us. God builds the home. Psalm 127 in verse 1 says, Except the Lord, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If we are trying to build our home on anything else except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified in His Word, we are going to fail, and we are not only going to fail, but we are going to fail miserably. So when smart thinkers try and tell us, they're still trying to tell us, by the way. So when smart thinkers try and tell us there's a better way to build the family, there's a better way, there's a more sensitive way, there's this type of way or whatever. When they try to tell us there's a better way to build the family in the home and that way is inconsistent with the word of God, our response should be to reject the wisdom of the world and hold on to the wisdom that we've been given from God. So what were our imperatives? You say, Pastor Greg, I wasn't here last week. I don't know what you're talking about, the imperatives. If we could show them on the screen, I don't know if we have them, but I want to share with you, just remind you of our initial imperatives that we talked about last week. Number one, God is God and I am not. You remember that? He is God and I am not. Number two, the Bible is his word. Either we believe that or we don't. Number three, we said that God's thoughts and ways are higher. But I wanted to add this because I didn't say it last week. His thoughts and ways are not only higher, they're holier than our ways and thoughts. And so we ought to listen to what he says. You remember last week, number four, we talked about there's sometimes that we think there's, there's things that we think are right, and so we get carried away with thinking we have a new idea, we have a creative idea, we have a substantial idea of how we can build the home but the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. And so we looked at that, and then the last imperative I just shared with you is that God builds the home. And so I, I encourage you to keep these imperatives in mind as we go through this series, as we look at topics such as forgiveness, as we look at topics about the home, as we look at topics about the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives and children in the family, keep an eye on these imperatives because they will never steer you wrong. In Proverbs 22 and verse number 6, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, the Bible does not say train up a child in the way he or she would go. Or the way he or she wants to go. Or the way he or she thinks they ought to go. Or the way he or she thinks you ought to let them go. That's, a, that's one that comes out a lot. The Bible says train up. That, that phrase train up there literally means to initiate. To discipline. 
to instruct a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Folks, this is one of the most important and crucial jobs of being a parent. When asked about this verse, it was Charles Spurgeon who said these words. He said, yes, train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go that way yourself. Yes, one thing to say, hey, hey, knucklehead, do this. But I got news for you. While you're telling knucklehead to do this, you better be doing it too, sir. Oh, friends, when it comes to family matters, I know, I know y'all are looking at me, you're saying, it's Mother's Day, could we have just a little tamp it down, Pastor? We're ready to go to brunch. Could we just have a, a little, little, by the way, this is a loving message. This is a very loving message. You want to know why I can say that? Surely not because it's from me, but because it's from God. Oh, friends, when it comes to family matters, it's crucial as men and women, parents, aunts and uncles, grandparents, that we be people of faith. There is an important factor in the family, and it is called faith, and there is an importance that goes along with it. So whether you're a mom or, what, or whether you're not a mom, this message should still resonate with each and every one of us because we all have some type of influence over someone else. So listen, don't check out just because you think, oh, he's going to do a Mother's Day message and this isn't for me because I'm not a mom, I'm, I'm not a dad, I'm not a grandparent, I'm not an auntie or an uncle. No, this message is for every one of us because the reality is we all have a sphere of influence over people. And so it's critical that our faith be evident for all to see. With that said, throughout Scripture we find all sorts of mom who faith, whose faith has been recorded for us to learn from. A few years ago, I preached in Exodus chapter 2 about Jochebed's faith. Jochebed's faith gave her courage, gave her courage to save her son Moses. You remember, she put him in the bulrushes. Oh, what a woman of God. In 1 Samuel 1 and 2, we read about Hannah's faith and how it enabled her to keep her vow to God regarding her son Samuel. The Canaanite uh, woman's persistent faith in Matthew chapter 15 on behalf of her daughter was not only something to behold, it was something that has been celebrated and recorded in God's word. And Jesus referred to that woman's faith as great. Oh, that we would have great faith. You say, Pastor, I have little faith. You know, a little faith is better than no faith. Oh, listen, in Luke chapter 1 and 2, despite her confusion and loss of reputation and even the shame her mysterious pregnancy would bring, Mary's faith shielded her as the earthly mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we could go on and on through Scripture and look at women of God who have exercised faith down through the annals of history. But I'm asking you today, moms, I'm asking you today, dads, grandma and grandpa, auntie and uncle, I'm asking you young people, I'm asking myself, let's be people of faith. Let's exercise some good old gumption and let's understand that families actually matter and they matter to God. Man, I might get excited today on Mother's Day. And this morning you're going to get a blessing because I got a twofer for you. You know, you can either get a BOGO or a twofer. You buy one or get one free or you can call it a twofer. I'm going to give you a twofer today because we're not only going to look at the faith of one woman we're going to look at the faith of two women. And these are two moms named Lois. 
Lois and Eunice, Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mom. Many agree, let me give you a little bit of background. Many agree and believe that Timothy came to faith in Christ during Paul's first missionary journey. And if you know, over in Acts chapter 14, Scripture reveals that Paul is in Lystra at this time on his first missionary journey, and he is stoned and he's left for dead. But he gets right back up by the amazing resurrection power of God. He gets up and he travels with Barnabas, his companion in the faith at that time. He travels with him to the city of Derb. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 20 and 21, God's word says that they preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. And so adding to the case for this type of belief is the fact that when Paul writes Timothy, he greets Timothy over and over by saying, my own son in the faith and my beloved son. So some believe that Timothy would have come to faith at that time when Paul had made his way from Lystra to Derb. And, and then on the other hand, there's others who actually, if you look at Acts chapter 16 and verse number 1, this is where the Bible connects Paul and Timothy at the start of his second missionary journey. And they say this, notice the verse says, Then came he, Paul, to Derb and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple, notice the phrasing there, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewish and had believed, but his father was a Greek. And verse number two of that passage says that this truth that I just read about Timothy had been well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So the fact that verse number one of Acts chapter 16 actually refers to Timothy as a certain disciple, there are some people who believe that he was already a believer when he actually came into contact with the Apostle Paul. But can I relieve the stress in your mind right now? It doesn't matter whether he came to faith when he first met Paul or whether he came to faith at another time. The reality is either way, yeah, we know some great things about Timothy uh, because, you know, yes, did he become sort of a protege of Paul's of sorts? Yes, yes, we understand that. But we can also see from Scripture that no matter when, and it's not up to me to determine, and I don't have to give an answer for it. No matter when he came to faith in Christ, his mother and his grandmother had an enormous spiritual impact on Timothy. Moms, grandmas, ladies, gentlemen, it is imperative that your faith be seen amongst your family and your friends and your co-workers because it has the power to impact many. And as we'll see from God's word, his word was taught and used to build godly character in Timothy's life. And scripture tells us that his mom and his grandmother, it was them who had impacted him. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Just a few verses in scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 in the precious word of God and I promise we'll get right to it so that you can get right to what else you have planned for the day to celebrate in your own family. Look at verse number three when you get there, beginning in verse number three and following. The Apostle Paul's writing to young Timothy and he says, I thank God whom I serve from, uh, from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. 
greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Watch, it continues, there's a continue, there's a semicolon there. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. And so from this very passage of Scripture, we can see just a few simple yet significant truths about Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandmother. And so if you're a note taker, I know these are going to be really earth shattering. They're going to be so significant. You're never going to want to forget them. So if you're a note taker, write them down. Number one, we can see that his mom and his grandmother had a genuine faith. They had a genuine faith. Look at verse number five. Paul said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. The word translated there in unfaith, unfeigned. Now you may have a different version of scripture in your hand and it may have a different word. But this word here, uh, unfeigned, comes from the Greek word uh, anupokritos and it actually means undissembled, that is sincere without hypocrisy sincere without hypocrisy in other words the faith of Timothy's mom and grandmother was not an act it was not a show it wasn't show and tell it wasn't just a make-believe they weren't putting on airs their faith was genuine in other words it was like coca-cola of old it was the real thing baby you that are over here in this section like I don't know what you're talking about that's how they used to advertise Coca-Cola years ago by saying it was the real thing. But I just put a little question and I actually penciled it in my notes this morning. What about us? You see, because their faith was genuine. It was real. Moms, grandma, aunties, and, and every one of us, as I've said, is your faith real? Is it genuine? Can your children see that what you have inside, what you say you are, is who you are? Or is it a show? You see, God's Word tells us this genuine faith that we're talking about began. Watch where it began. Look at verse number 5 again. Which dwelt first, where did it begin? With his grandmother Lois. Grandma's influence over her daughter Eunice and ultimately her grandson Timothy was so incredibly strong that the Holy Spirit of God causes Paul. Remember, men were led by the Holy Spirit of God. Paul didn't just think about it. The Holy Spirit said, hey, listen, you need to recommend, you need to commend the faith of his grandmother and his mother because that's where he first was told about the faith. And so it's recorded in Scripture. So hello, Grandma and Grandpa. Let me talk to the grandparents just for a second. You see, because I can tell you the faith of grandparents has had a significant impact in the lives of our children as well. Oh, my friends, families matter to God. Therefore, as we as parents and grandparents need to recognize the benefit and the power of having grandparents who have a genuine faith speak into the lives of their children. Hey, moms and dads, don't cut grandma and grandpa out. They've got something to offer. Can I tell you? They've got, hey, grandma and grandpa, you know what? I need you to offer something to the young people of this church. I need you, I need you to be sharing your faith. I need you to be pointing. Hey, I, I don't want to go there. Uh, more seasoned, more seasoned moms. 
I need you to train up these younger ladies. I need you to train up these newer moms. These, I need you to train up these not-so-new moms. It is imperative, right? We see the example in Scripture that God wants us to remember that this faith that was in Timothy first dwelt in his grandmother. Yes, genuine faith is needed in the home. And since it's Mother's Day, let us remind one another that our children are watching us. And they are watching. And if I ask these young people over here, if I ask the young people through there, they're watching mom and they're watching dad and they're asking the question, is my dad's faith real? Is my mom's faith real? Or are they just putting on a show on Sunday mornings? Oh, it's incredibly important. It got real quiet. You see, grandma and mom had a genuine faith these days. It seems like we have time for just about everything under the sun, isn't it? We got time for all kinds of things. I put in my notes, we got time to go to work. We got time to go shopping. We got time for school stuff. We got time for sports. We've even got time for our cell phones. Hello. In fact, these days, I feel like we have more time for our cell phones than we have for anything else. And I'm all about the technology and the ability to get a hold of my wife or my family or whoever, whenever and whenever we need to. But the reality is we have time for all of these things and yet, sadly, it rarely seems like we have time for reading and studying God's Word. We rarely have time for praying, rarely have time to gather for worship, or rarely have time to fellowship with other believers. And then we wonder what's going on and why we're struggling. Do you know we need mutual encouragement? And when you come and worship with one another, when we gather around uh, uh, God's throne and, and we look to him for answers, you're not only encouraging me, I hope that I'm encouraging you, but you're encouraging one another because you can look to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of you and say, man, there's other people who are in the fight with me. And I draw strength from that. Oh, listen. If we're not, if, if our faith doesn't seem genuine. If we don't have time for prayer, we don't have time for reading God's word, we don't have time to worship, we don't have time for, for fellowshipping with other believers, this ought to be a sign. This ought to be a sign to us that there's something wrong in our journey, in our walk of faith. Oh, listen, to be sure we're not perfect, but as someone has said, genuine faith is not about the perfection of our faith, but about the direction of our faith. Oh, where are we headed Oh, do those in our family see the evidence of genuine faith in Christ? Or do they see something else in us? Because when it comes to family matters, the best sermons, I've, I've figured this out over the years, the best sermons are the ones that are lived, not merely preached. I can preach a message all day long. I can tell my kids to walk by faith and not by sight. But until they see dad walk by faith and not by sight, they don't understand that. They just hear it as some other rule, some other dictate, some other instruction that they're given. And so I remember when my wife and I, I was getting ready to get out of the military and I felt Lord call and I would wake up in the middle of the night. I was like, Lord, no, you have the wrong guy. Call somebody else. Call, call Gordon. Call somebody else. Don't, don't be calling me to do this stuff. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my wife knows this to be the truth. And I would be sweating and I was like, oh, I keep on having this dream. And, and, and listen, I'm not getting into dreams and visions today, but I kept on having this dream. And I, and I was preaching and I was teaching and I was like, no way, God, you got the wrong guy. And I saw faces. 
And the surroundings in this dream seemed familiar, but a lot of times the faces did not seem familiar to me. And I woke up confused time after time after time after time. When I finally surrendered my heart and said, man, I got to retire. I got to get out of the military. I got I to move on. Listen, I could stay there and soak up the blessings of being, you know, being the big cheese or whatever. But I got to go and I got to go to Bible college. And then I was like, oh boy, where do I go to Bible college? I don't want to go to any of them. And the Bible college students are the ones laughing right now. <laughs> I see y'all back there. <laughs> I will not say what school you're from or what school you're from or what school you're from. All right. I would just, I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to go where I ended up going. I didn't want to go where I ended up going. But out of respect for my pastor, the former pastor here, I said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'll check out the Baptist Bible College. And I went there, Herb says, amen. And when I got there, I said, no, no, Lord, no, this place is redunculous. They got window unit air conditioners from the 1950s. These buildings are falling apart. Why? Why have you sent me to this forsaken place? <laughs> it's like, no, help me. And then I had to look at my boys who were comfortable in Fauquier County, Taylor Middle School, and over there in Remington, all the way over in Remington, the elementary school in Remington. And I said, boys, pack up. We're moving to Missouri. I very quickly became the hatest most hated person in our family. But I had to let my boys know that my faith was genuine and that what God was telling me to do, I had no choice but to do it. I now take credit for the fact that my oldest son met his future wife the first day he was in that school in Missouri. So you're welcome. Timothy's mom and grandmother had a genuine faith, but notice this also, they had a living faith. It was genuine, but it was alive, it was active, it was a living faith. Look at verse number five, Paul says this faith dwelt, watch the word dwelt, dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. The word dwelt comes from the Greek word innoikeo, innoikeo. And it's actually a derivative of two other Greek words, in and oikeo. And they, when they combine, it speaks of position and the occupying of a house. But here this word literally means to inhabit. This faith inhabited his grandmother and his mother and it was passed on. And so it took up residency in Lois and then it took up residency in Eunice and then it once and for all took up residency in Timothy. Oh, listen, Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode. We will set up shop. We will set up residency in him. And it's evident from God's word in Paul's testimony that Lois and Eunice had become the recipients of God's grace through faith <laughs> and had been made alive in Christ. Have you been made alive in Christ? 
Because Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 5 reminds us that it is God who quickens or makes us alive together with Christ. In verse number 8, you've heard this verse, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Oh, listen, we know Lois and Eunice's faith was living because their faith was active. These women had been made new by Christ. These women were unashamed. These women were no doubt living the best they could. According to God's word, they cared for Timothy. And these were women who endured. You say, how do you know? Because it seems that Timothy's dad was not a believer. Timothy's dad had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Look back at Acts chapter 16 and verse number 1. You say, where do you get this stuff from? Do you just make this stuff up? No. Look at verse number 1 of Acts chapter 16. Then came he, speaking of Paul. This is his second missionary journey to Derb and to Lystra. Interestingly enough, after Paul is stoned and left for dead, right? He's in Lystra. He goes on to Derb. But guess what? It doesn't stop him because right when he starts his second missionary journey, he goes right back where he was stoned and left for dead. You talk about some boldness. This is what he does. And he says that when he came to Derb and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewish, Jewess and believed. So in other words, his mother, Eunice, was a Jewish woman who had received and believed and accepted the way, so to speak, of Christianity. But watch this. But his father was a Greek. So yes, there were Gentile believers at this time, but this verse seems to indicate and imply that Timothy's dad was not one of them. And so therefore, Eunice would not have had the ideal situation for living out her faith for her son. In fact, I would imagine that there were some, some, some sticky situations in the home place, and yet this is exactly what she did. She lived out her faith no matter what was going on. It didn't matter that there were unbelievers within the family. And can I tell you the same is true for us. The reality is a living faith understands just as Paul did that the truth that once Jesus Christ is living inside of us as Galatians 2.20 says, the life that you and I now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us. And this is exactly what these women were doing. A living faith also recognizes, just as Philippians 4.13 indicates, that you and I, we can do all things according to Christ who strengthens us. Are you weak today? Hey, let me ask you, did you feel a little tired this morning when you got up? Anybody, say, if you were there, say, I was tired. If you're still tired, say, I'm tired. Well, I've only got two more hours, all right? I'm just, you know, no. I'm tired too. But being tired should never stop a genuine or a living faith from being seen. By the way, I put in my notes, we cannot give something that we ourselves do not have. Lois and Eunice gave Timothy what they had, and what they had was the word of God. They would have taught him Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the complete revelation yet, right? But they would have taught Timothy what they had. They would have pointed Timothy 
to God and his love. And listen, if we don't have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ, we cannot expect to share him or to give or to live for our children or anyone else for that matter. But on the other hand, a faith that's genuine and living will not and cannot be silent. It's going to be seen and it's going to be heard. And not only is it going to be seen and is it going to be heard, it's also going to be the last thing I want you to notice is that Lois and Eunice had a shared faith. They took time to share what they had with Timothy. And so moms, I want to encourage you. If you have a genuine and a living faith, now's the time. Now's the time to start sharing that with your children. You say, man, I blew it. I blew it. My kids are out of high school. My kids have graduated college. It's never too late. Start somewhere. Start giving them what you got right now. You may not have come to faith until later in life. So start giving your kids what you can now. You say, well, they resent me. They hate me. They don't like me. They don't want me, blah, 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 blah. Just keep showing them Jesus. Dads, Grandpa, I'm not leaving you out of the equation today just because it's Mother's Day. This is for all of us. They had a shared faith. Obviously, we must leave the results up to the sovereignty of our great God. But if our faith is genuine, it's going to be active. And if our faith is active, it's actually going to be shared. And I believe that's something that our sovereign God wants us to do. Notice the end of verse number 5, because Paul testifies of this very fact in verse number 5, saying, I am persuaded that it is in thee also. So this faith which first dwelt in his grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice, he says, I'm persuaded that it's in you as well. You see, the gospel transforms people. If you have been made new by Jesus Christ, your life is new. All things have become new. Remember, old things are passed away. And this was obviously the case with Lois and Eunice because Scripture testifies to the fact that they actually shared God's Word and they shared their faith with Timothy. And you say, where do you get that from? Well, look over on the opposite page. If you're like mine, you can just look across the page to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. And just two verses here. Look down, when you get over there, look down at verse number 14. In verse number 14, Paul tells Timothy this. He says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that, what does verse 15 say? And that from when? A child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Like his mother and his grandmother, you and I too must have, we must buy up the opportunity, so to speak, to teach and also live out biblical principles from God's word. We've got to do it. We've got to live out the principles we see, not just merely talk about them. And you say, well... Did Timothy only learn from his mother and his grandmother? No. In fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 17, Paul tells the church at Corinth he's going to leave Timothy there, right? But in this verse of 1 Corinthians 4, 17, the verse indicates that Paul actually had a part in teaching uh, uh, Timothy as well. And so it is incredibly important when we share our faith with one another. As I think about it, Timothy, when you think about it, Timothy did not accidentally learn God's word. He didn't accidentally learn God's word. It was taught to him on purpose. His grandmother, his mother 
taught him on purpose. And when he got around the Apostle Paul, for whom, remember, Paul refers to him as a son in the faith. So Paul was, loved Timothy. He was encouraged by the growth that was in Timothy. He, he called upon Timothy time and time again. But it's evident that Paul also poured out his life into the life of Timothy. And so we see that this was going on over and over. So listen, God's word was not accidentally learned by Timothy. And I put in my notes, the same is true for our children and our family members. If they're going to learn about Jesus, it can't be some accidental uh, occurrence. We have, to be, we have to be diligent to do what we have been called to do as parents. And by the way, if you look at verse number 15 again, you'll see that... Uh, Timothy's teaching began very, very early. From the time he was a child. Paul says, you've known this from since you were a child. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures, which are able to save you, which are able to guide you, which are able to instruct you, which are able to, to, to be a part of your life. You learn these things from the moment you were a little child. And isn't that what Scripture says when it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In Romans 10 and verse number 17. Oh, my friends, Jesus set Timothy's grandmother free. Amen? He set his grandmother free. Jesus set Timothy's mom, Eunice, free. Jesus set Timothy free. Jesus will set you free. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And if the Son make you free, then you are free indeed. That's John 8, 31 and John 8, 36. You are free indeed. Oh, listen, he's the only one that can make us free. And I can tell you that's his desire today. You say, how do I know that? Because families... Matter and families are important to God. He died. He was buried. He arose from the grave three days later victoriously, conquering death, hell, the grave. And you know why he did that? He did that because he loves you and he wants to set you free. But just as our passage a while ago said, yeah, for by grace are you saved through faith. There is a faith mechanism that must occur. I can believe that all I want, but until I receive it by faith, it has no, no efficacy in my life. And so I encourage you today. He wants to set you free. So I ask these questions. Number one, do you have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ today? If not, you know he wants you to have faith in him today. He's done everything he can to make it abundantly clear that he loves you and he died for you. And so ask yourself, do I have a genuine faith? Here's another one. If you have a genuine faith, is your faith active? Is it alive? Is it something that your children can see? Is it something that your husband, is it something that your wife, is it something that your grandchildren can see? Is it something that grandma and grandpa can see? Is it active? Is it alive? And then lastly, if you have a genuine faith and it's alive and active, the question would be, are you sharing your faith? Are you teaching your children? Are you sharing the faith that is in you, that is genuine inside of you and active inside of you with others in your home? And I just put this as a final note in my book. Healthy things grow. 
Moms, some of you may get plants today. It seems like the season for flowers and plants. Healthy things grow and healthy things reproduce. Do you know, I'm, I'm not Mr. Green, Green Thumb, but I do know this, that if a plant is going to be healthy, it needs light and it needs water. Did you know that you have light and you have all the water you need right here to grow? Oh, healthy things grow. And healthy things not only grow, you want to watch this? Healthy things reproduce. Lois and Eunice's faith impacted Timothy. Whose faith, whose faith, whose life are you being used to impact with your faith? I pray that you take these simple thoughts and yet very, very significant when it comes to family matters because faith is important. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we've had in your house. God, I pray that right now, God, that this simple message has resonated with your people. Those who are here in this room, those who may be watching, that they might understand that without Christ, they can do nothing. And if they don't have a genuine faith, there's no way they can pass, there's no way they can live it, and there's no way they can pass that on to someone else. So I pray for moms and grandmas today. Pray for aunts and uncles and men, dads and grandpas, and, and I pray for sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters today. God, that if somebody's in this room or somebody's watching that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that they will not leave this room, they will not turn off the computer or TV without calling upon the name of the Lord. Yes, it's for by grace that we're saved. Yes, you did all the work. But have we trusted that? Have we trusted in your work? Have we trusted in your love? Have we trusted in the risen Savior? Oh God, I pray that people today would make a decision if they've never called out upon the name of the Lord, your word tells us that if we'll do that, we will be saved. And so God, it's not about a prayer. We understand you're in control of it all, but Lord, it's a recognition that we are lost and that we need you. And so we call out upon you for the forgiveness of sin, as your word tells us. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that has never done that, that they'll do that right now, even as I'm praying right now, quietly unto themselves. I know from your word that you will hear that prayer and you will answer that prayer because that is according to your will that we be saved. And so, God, I pray that people will do business with you right now. Lord, I also pray that you would, that you would God, give us this desire to recommit ourselves to being the leaders in the home, to being men and women, that we need to be sharing our faith. That, might, that people might see the evidence of our genuine and living faith through our actions, through our words, not only our words, but through our actions as well. And God, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified through that as well. I pray that you have your will in your way as we open up just a short time of invitation, a time when we can come, we can pray to you, we can praise you for your greatness. We can celebrate moms. We can, we can praise you for our moms and grandmoms. We can do all of these things during this significant time 
where we come before your throne of grace and mercy to find help in our time of need. And so, Lord, I pray that we will make use of it, that this will just not be some other song that we sing, but this will be an appointed time in our life where we do business with you, and that you hear our prayers, and that you are honored and glorified through our response to your word. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray this and for his sake. Amen and amen.